the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. Supporting companies and their employees for 75 years. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Good day and welcome to the Irish Times business podcast. I'm Arthur Beasley. On this edition, Pfizer's contentious merger with Allergen to create the world's biggest drug business, one with its corporate headquarters in dear old Dublin, and it's two days to Black Friday, the biggest shopping day of the year. With the Christmas shopping rush upon us, what's the outlook for Irish retailers? But first, that Pfizer deal with Allergen. The tax dimension is at the heart of this transaction, but this has led to trouble in the United States. With me in studio is Dominic Coyle, Deputy Business Editor of the Irish Times. On the line from the US is Simon Carswell, Washington correspondent. Dominic, this deal is structured as a corporate inversion. What exactly does that mean? And what's the benefit in this transaction for Pfizer and Allergen, both of which have big operations in Ireland? Yes, as as you said earlier on, a corporate inversion is effectively a tax-efficient form of takeover, where effectively the larger US company sells itself to a smaller target company in a lower tax jurisdiction, in this case, Allergan in Ireland. But in such a way where the Pfizer shareholders will, after the deal, own the majority of the company. Now, in order to comply with recently introduced US restrictions, it must ensure that the target company, Allergan, at least retains 40% ownership of the merged entity. In this case, Allergan shareholders will own about 44%. Now, this is a really, really big transaction. What kind of, uh, what are the finances like? Finances are huge. It's a $160 billion transaction. That's the price that Pfizer is effectively paying for for Allergan. Uh, In in its own right, it's the biggest pharmaceutical uh, merger uh, to date. It's the third largest deal of all time in in the corporate world. Uh, So a bonanza for advisors? Certainly a bonanza for advisors and a deal that, that Pfizer itself has been looking to do for a considerable length of time. Uh, What's the benefit to Pfizer and what's the benefit to Allergen? The benefit to to Pfizer particularly is a lower effective tax rate. Last year it paid roughly an effective tax rate of roughly 25%. It estimates in the first year of this deal that it will be paying around 17 to 18%. That's a saving of about $1.2 billion in tax. And to Allergen? To Allergen, it's somewhat unclear, and its shareholders have been a little bit nervous about it. It certainly is a benefit to Allergen's CEO, Brent Saunders, who has been leading a very active acquisition trail with that company. Uh, He's now at 45, the second in command, effectively, at Pfizer, ideally placed to succeed the Pfizer CEO, Ian Reid. When he moves on, Ian will be 62 now. And the dimension here is that essentially that Allergen essentially has its corporate headquarters in Dublin. Pfizer is a very old American company with its original headquarters in New Jersey. It's had a big operation in Cork for, for decades. But essentially, the corporate headquarters is now going to shift from the United States to Dublin for tax reasons. That's precisely right. The, the corporate headquarters will. The operational headquarters of both companies, funny enough, remains firmly ensconced in the United States. Now, by the letter of the law the headquarters will be in Dublin. Now, this, as we have said, will be a bonanza for people on the advisory side, but it's going to be quite the opposite of a bonanza for the tax man in the United States. Simon Carswell in Washington, how has this gone down in the American body politic? 
Uh, not well. It's gone down very badly. Uh, there's some consternation in political circles, as there are any time uh, America loses a corporate household name to a foreign country to one of these corporate inversions. We saw it last year when Burger King moved to Canada in 2014 with the uh, transaction with the Canadian donut maker Tim Hortons, and we saw it with Medtronic, which moved to Ireland last year with the takeover of Covidian, uh, Dublin-based medical devices company. So uh, politically, there's been a very poor response. We've had very strong comments from some of the presidential candidates, the Republican presidential candidates. Donald Trump has called the move disgusting, and he said our politicians should be ashamed of themselves. And in a rare moment of something that they agree on, uh, Hillary Clinton, also the Democratic frontrunner, came out and said that uh, this deal would leave U.S. tax holders holding the bag. And she said she's going to propose business tax proposals. And she's uh, urged Congress to act immediately to make sure the biggest corporations pay their fair share of tax. And this is what's rankling uh, politicians, the fact that these companies are effectively remaining in the U.S., but on paper they're moving overseas. So they're taking advantage of what is seen as uh, playing, playing the... Playing, to, uh, playing the tax differentials between uh, two countries. And it, it, many uh, Republicans and many Democrats agree with each, each other that there is a major problem here. The challenge is, is trying to fix it. And given that there's such deep divisions in Congress, given that it's a pretty frenetic uh, presidential election year uh, with lots of angry rhetoric between the sides and very little agreement, uh, there's really seen to be no way of actually resolving this problem anytime soon. And in that vacuum, there's going to be many more of these corporate inversion deals taking place. And Simon Carswell, if I am right, there have been moves already by the U.S. Treasury to try and stamp out this type, this kind of activity, but these are moves which haven't gone far enough to prevent the kind of transaction we now have underway between Pfizer and Allergen. Yeah, that's the case. You've seen the U- U.S. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew announce a series of administrative actions um, in September 2014 and again as recently as last week where they're really just trimming around the edges. There's not a whole lot they can do to stop these transactions from uh, altogether uh, stopping them because that's, uh, that requires legislation passed by Congress. And the White House Press Secretary said as much earlier this week. He said that it's rather limited uh, what the U.S. Treasury can do and really it's a matter that rests for Congress. And in the absence of any legislation being passed, President Obama has used his bully pulpit, pulpit as he is known to do, and he's lashed these companies for being unpatriotic, describing them as corporate deserters. And in one case last year, he singled out Ireland, criticizing American companies for magically becoming Irish with these transactions. So there's a lot of rhetoric, but not a lot of movement and action being taken to actually stop this happening in Congress. Uh, Simon, to what extent has the uh, important Irish dimension to this story penetrated debate in the U.S.? Well, it's constantly mentioned Ireland is a favoured destination for these transactions because our 12.5% corporate tax rate is very attractive to these companies, particularly when the U.S. tax rate, the corporate tax rate here is 35%. It's the highest in the developed world. Uh, I don't think there's much criticism of Ireland, per se, about our tax rate. The criticism rests more at the door of the companies and the fact that the politicians themselves say, well, this is an American problem. This is a problem that needs to be resolved with legislation. Uh, President Obama 
Obama has suggested that there should be a minimum tax of 19% on future foreign earnings of American companies and a mandatory 14% tax on accumulated profits. And he wants to reduce the corporate tax rate from 35% down to 28% and then a preferential rate of 25% for manufacturing companies. But Republicans still aren't happy. They say this is too high. And we've seen a range of proposals from some of the Republican presidential candidates, for example, Donald Trump. He wants the corporate tax rate reduced to 15%. And he's saying, well, let's put in a a once-off repatriation tax of 10% to tap some of this, to get some of this, uh, it's an estimated $2 trillion hoarded overseas by American companies in offshore subsidiaries. Uh, but there's no, dis- no, again, no agreement being reached. The, the difference is that, that Democrats want a higher corporate tax rate and Republicans want a lower t- corporate tax rate. There's also a lot of division as to how quickly this should be done. Um, Republicans want it all done in one major overhaul of the tax, uh, the very complicated tax code in America. But uh, with so many divisions running so deep in Congress, it's just not going to happen anytime soon. Dominic Coyle, I've never seen a tax code that does not have its complications. It's inherently complex. But what are the benefits to Ireland from this particular transaction? Well, Ireland will uh, will get a, a certain amount of extra tax from, from this deal. How much is, is very, very unclear. It all depends how the accounting is done. It certainly won't be less. So from that point of view, it's good. It, there will be some down-the-line work in connection with Pfizer's operational headquarters here. We will enhance our status as a, as a hub for pharmaceutical and med tech because we'll have the f- largest pharmaceutical company based in Ireland, the fourth largest company in the world. But, um, but it is also presenting reputational problems for Ireland. We have the, the OECD BEPS program coming, coming down the line. And there is also the issue of, of how it plays in, in jurisdictions like America. Um, now, I mean, it is clear that that re- reputational element is here in the story. At the the very outset, or the kind of for years and years, the the force of pressure on Ireland over corporate taxation was at the European level. We had this American pressure bubbling in the undercurrent, if you like, around corporate inversions. But now we have this very large transaction uh, coming into uh, the American presidential election, and there's a whole lot of political noise, as Simon has been saying. Do you think? that there's going to be any pressure on the Irish government to go further in terms of the corporate tax overhauls that have already been introduced by this government? Not from America, I don't believe. I think, as Simon said, the, the Americans do very much see the, the responsibility for addressing the tax issues here as resting in Congress. Uh, it's noticeable that, that the two companies here have significantly downplayed the likely synergies and the likely uh, available cash that they can use. That's because they're sensitive to, to uh, the, the American political environment at the moment. Nobody wants to do anything in this deal that's going to trigger rapid uh, legislative change. But Simon is correct. The divisions in Congress are such now that any real change before a new, a new Congress are, are really not, not uh, likely. Now, do you think what we have here is essentially a done deal? What we have is an agreement to have a transaction, do you think it is actually going to go the distance and create this unified company, or uh, are there potential pitfalls down the line? It it won't be stopped by the corporate inversion issue, that's for sure. There are always issues in in deals of this size. There's two sets of shareholders to to approve the deal, and there's regulatory hurdles to overcome in different jurisdictions. Uh, It is a very big, sprawling company that's going to be created. That's never easy. And the track record says a lot of these cost shareholders rather than benefit them. But I think corporate inversion will not be the straw that breaks the camel's back. 
Uh, do you think there are potential dangers here for people who work for either of these two large companies? It's in the nature of mergers between large organisations that they always talk of synergies, they always talk of efficiencies. What you se- essentially have here are two companies based in Ireland which become one. It, of course, it presents threats to, to the workforce in Ireland. There's about 4,700 people working for these two companies in Ireland. Even before this deal, there have been questions about whether Westport might continue to be as, as important to Allergan in this new and large structure following its takeover by activists. Uh, Brent Saunders insists that, that it is safe, but, but nothing is safe when you come into these mega-mergers. Similarly, Pfizer has been rationalising its Irish footprint over recent years in any case. There's nothing to suggest that it won't continue to take a look at its Irish operations and to see how they match up against best-in-class elsewhere in its portfolio. Simon Carswell, in the US, you were saying that there is a, every likelihood that, that we will see further corporate inversions, that there's no prospect of change before the presidential election. That leaves a whole year, if you like, of potential activity. And the, it, could it be the case that the prospect of action or even moves in this direction could indeed spur other companies to get their inversions done before the door is shut? Absolutely, and I think that's the concern that Republicans express about, you know, if there's, in the absence of any comprehensive deal, then you will see uh, some companies, other U.S. companies, encouraged to do the deals and, and to really start competing with the likes of uh, Pfizer and what they're doing and, and reducing their tax bill by substantial, substantial amounts. I, I also think that you are going to see some action uh, in the new presidential term. There's uh, a new uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives, Paul Ryan, who comes from uh, some of the budget committees, so I think you might see him press forward some reforms. And also that's got the backing of some uh, significant Democrats as well. For example, Chuck Schumer, who uh, is a senior Democrat in the Senate. And and also President Obama agrees with some of the measures that are being proposed. But again, in in the middle of a presidential election campaign, you're not going to see any changes. So that creates this window of opportunity for these companies to look at doing other inversions. There have been changes to the rules introduced by U.S. Treasury, which limits the scope of inversions and narrows the field of potential takeover targets. For example, the Treasury Department's reduction in, uh, as Dominic said earlier, the 60-40 rule, where the takeover company still has, uh, has to take, has to have 40% or more in the uh, in the emerged in the enlarged uh, entity. Uh, and also, the U.S. Treasury now treats uh, overseas cash, which was used to fund some of these transactions, as dividends and taxes at 35%. So again, that limits the scope as to what these companies. Uh, can do and what targets there are out there. But I still think you're going to see uh, companies take advantage of that window of opportunity between now and the next administration to carry out and to ex- execute some of these co- uh, corporate inversion deals. And speaking of uh, taking advantage, I mean, the, the whole debate surrounds the difficulty in Congress to actually get changes through the two houses. Is there an element here in which you have candidates for the presidency taking advantage of this particular issue uh, for their own political gain. After all, it's within the power of the American political system to change the rules. Well, I think they are. And also, you know, there's a number of Republican candidates who are um, playing to the fact that Washington is broken, that you can get nothing done in Washington. So they're, they're making hay on that issue, the fact that there's no chance of legislation passing Congress. Certainly, uh, Donald Trump has lashed uh, the politicians in Capitol Hill about this issue. Well, Donald uh, Trump lashes someone every day. 
He does. He does. He particularly enjoys lashing uh, the politicians over this this one uh, because it's an area. He's one of the few candidates actually to talk about corporate inversions, and one of the few who's actually mentioned it in the presidential debates that have taken place in the Republican primary race. Um, and I think that you know there is as much as people dislike some of the rhetoric coming from Donald Trump. He's actually correct in this matter that there is a problem and that the problem rests for Congress, uh, and Congress needs to fix it. And I think many people in Congress would agree with him on both the Republican and Democratic side. And are they gaining traction on this particular matter? Is this something which is proving to have political resonance with voters in the US? I think it's it's not really. I think it's lost on people. I think people still try and figure, are still trying to get their head around what actually these corporate inversions are, what they entail. I think there's a, a sense of anger that these companies are leaving American shores and that it's uh, wounding patriotic pride. And I think that's the main concern that the, the wider public would have about these deals rather than understanding the tax, tax implications and the problems within the tax code that's causing this. Uh, and, and the fact that Donald Trump is one of the few people actually mentioning it shows that it's not really a live political issue. I think it'll be interesting to see what Hillary Clinton proposes in terms of her business tax proposals that she has she has said she will introduce in the coming weeks. Bernie Sanders has certainly um, has certainly made hay on the issue. He's he's raised it as well. He said that uh, the deal would be a disaster, and he's pointed to the fact that it'll increase drugs costs. Uh, for American consumers, consumers. Um, but again, uh, he he's someone who's in Congress. He's he's a senator, um, and there's nothing been done on this issue by him or others on, in, on Capitol Hill uh, to resolve this problem. But he is pulling Hillary Clinton to the left. Dominic Coyle, by way of a party word, yes, yeah, yet again, we have Ireland's corporate tax regime in the crosshairs of an international row. We do indeed. Um, we're used to it at this stage. Um, we will get some moderate benefits from having Pfizer over here, so we'll take them. We're a recovering economy, so we're glad of, of whatever benefits that might bring. Um, I think the threats to our corporation tax regime will likely come more from Europe than from the United States in the, in the short to medium term. But in the environment of the OECD BEPS campaign, uh, which has yet to come to fruition fully, it is also the case that legislative change will be required in the United States to give effect to some of these very significant changes which are supposedly on the way, and there's no political consensus on that. Indeed. Dominic Hoyle in Dublin and Simon Carswell in Washington, thanks very much. At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. They don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you. With our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always-on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704-1845. Visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information source for Irish Life September 2014. Well, difficult as it may be to believe, but it's already November the 25th, which means it's exactly one month to Christmas. Last week we discussed Black Friday, but Cyber Monday looms as well. Pamela Newenham, Irish Times business reporter, is here to explain all. Pamela, what is Black Friday? So Black Friday is the day when bargain hunters across the country and the world try and grab themselves a great deal in the run-up to Christmas. And it came over from the US. It was always the Friday after Thanksgiving in the US, and that's still the day it occurs on every year. 
and it marks the busiest shopping day of the season because consumers typically start their Christmas shopping then. And then Cyber Monday is known as the unofficial start to the online holiday shopping season as internet savvy shoppers go to their favourite online retailers to do their shopping. So all of this is happening essentially in the coming days as Christmas looms. Yes, it is. So this Friday, um, Black Friday occurs and then on Monday, Cyber Monday happens. And it's only getting big in Ireland the last two years. It's been big in the UK for three years. And nearly all the shops now in Ireland this year will partake in it. Uh, thus far, we haven't seen any fights or violence or chaos. But Perish the thought. The US in the last few years, there's been absolute mayhem in stores. And the UK last year, uh, the police were called to dozens of stores in the UK last year because all the shoppers were fighting over TVs. And basically, you have to kind of stay away from electronic stores nearly and mobile stores in those places because absolute hell breaks out. Asda had to say this year that it couldn't partake in it this year because there was such chaos at its stores last year. And that's as a result of very heavy discounting for only one day. It is, yeah. So a lot of the stores will open at somewhere between midnight and 4am. So well, clearly, you know, why, why, why would you get a good night's sleep when you could be out shopping? Exactly. You know, you could just get up at two in the morning and go shopping and sure... That's much better if you can save yourself a few hundred quid on a TV. <laughs> um, but, I mean, how good have the discounts been? And clearly, I mean, clearly you know, retailers are, will be licking their lips at the thought of getting people in, but they're going to lose. These are lost leaders, essentially, to entice people through the door and to get them to part with the money at the very outset of the shopping season in order that the retailer can ensure themselves that they're getting this particular business. I think it's different in Ireland. Like, there's been a lot of research done in Ireland over the last few years and that research shows that Black Friday and Cyber Monday just displaces sales for retailers rather than generate new ones. So on Black Friday in Ireland last year, um, 59% of people surveyed said they just brought forward what they had planned on purchasing and purchased it that day instead. And the same went for Cyber Monday. I think things are a bit different in the UK and America, though, just because there can be massive discounts uh, in stores there. I remember years ago in Ireland, like people used to queue all day from Stephen's Day right up to New Year's Day outside travel agents to get like holidays for one euro. And I think it's like that often in the UK and US at the moment. There's like really good deals to happen. So people are totally happy to queue for ages for them. And to have fist fights over them. Exactly. <laughs> but in the Irish context, it, it is a little different. And it has been a good year for retailers. And the evidence, all the evidence shows that the consumer is willing to spend that little bit more this year. There, that is the evidence. But there has been a dip off according to, like a dip according to retailers just in the last while in the run up to Christmas. So I think they are hoping that things like Black Friday and Cyber Monday will just bring that back up and there will be a boost. And from Debenhams to Boots to Argus, Carphone Warehouse, all of the retailers are taking part. Now, there's also this Cyber Monday dimension to the story. But in the Irish context, a lot of the major online retailers, they're not actually Irish retailers at all. These are international retailers. They are. But I think a lot of Irish websites are partaking as well. Like even Carol's Irish gift store, you know, they said last year they noticed a spike in their traffic. And now a lot of their uh, people buying other stuff are from the US because it's all that Irish stuff. But there are Irish retailers that have Irish websites that are noticing a big difference on Cyber Monday. But yeah, a lot of them are eBay, it's Amazon. They're all the stores that Irish people are buying from. Uh, last year, so Web Loyalty, which is this like 
uh, research firm that kind of partners with all the e-commerce sites, they said 109 million was spent last year by Irish shoppers uh, on Black Friday, and that would they'd expect an increase of 31 percent this year, and that the majority of those the things bought were electronics goods, and then followed by home appliances, clothes, footwear, and accessories. And then Relex Payments, which is like a big Irish payments processing firm, they processed 2.7 million transactions worth 334 million between Black Friday and Cyber Monday last year. And they expect that to go up. But they said the peak time was between 11 a.m. and noon on both Black Friday and Cyber Monday. On each of those days, for that one hour period, they processed over 70,000 transactions from Irish consumers alone. So that's people getting a little bit of Christmas shopping done in the window that might open between mid-morning coffee and lunch hour. Yeah, exactly. And, well, Google has kind of given advice. So, like, Google have done a lot of data analytics and like what people are searching for and what people are buying online and everything. So they have kind of told people to avoid stores between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. because uh, the foot traffic to stores, that's like the busiest time then. And also to kind of maybe avoid stores selling electronics or mobile phones. But I think really that's more so the UK and uh, America where there will be chaos. But I think you're fine here in Ireland. And that if you're looking out for something in particular, you should check that the store has it in stock before venturing out. And Google has kind of said that the mobile searches are soaring now um, and like mobile searches per user are 11% higher for electronics stores and department stores on Black Friday than any other time. So people are, are spending money. Now, in the world of journalism, we are, of course, addicted to the last minute. But anyone who goes out doing Christmas shopping at the end of November or the very start of December is not really a person for the last minute. These are organised people. Well, they're organised people, but I think people can get very caught up in the like chaos and excitement of it all. And if everyone's going shopping and there's loads of deals and there's really good offers on, it can be quite easy to kind of just get caught up in it all. And like, there's definitely proof of this because two years ago this big board game in America uh, they decided to put their prices up for Black Friday for one day only to see would pe- like people notice and they a- advertised all over their website one day only price increase for Black-, Black Friday pay more this Black Friday and they put every single thing on their whole website up by five euro and they ended up making way more money no one even noticed like people weren't reading they just presumed it was saying discount and lower. They didn't actually read any of it, and their sales rocketed. So it was not a case of uh, not reading the small print. It was a question of not reading the big print. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> very interesting indeed. Well, Pamela Newman, thank you very, very much. But there is one question which still lingers in my mind. Are we guilty of overhyping this? After all, these are just other shopping days. There's plenty of other shopping days to Christmas. The shops aren't good at close between now and Christmas Eve. Well, I could understand the retailers uh, overhyping it because for most people, this Friday will be like the last payday before Christmas. So most people will get paid this Thursday or Friday and that will be the last payday before Christmas. So, of course, they're going to promote load stuff because they want people, while they have their money, having just be paid to spend it all because in two or three weeks, they'll have already spent a lot of that money. And they'll be broke for Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, it uh, leaves me only to thank you indeed, Pamela Newingham, and also Dominic Coyle and Simon Carswell, who joined us earlier. You've been listening to the Irish Times Business Podcast. I'm Arthur Beasley. Tune in again.